sorry I don't love you A friends have grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back this week and we have a brand new guest on for this episode. Tim Matthews is on to talk all about season one of Riverdale. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty good over here. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed binge watching the first season of Riverdale, but why don't you just quickly introduce yourself? I know you and I were just talking before hitting record here and you are a film major. So what are you doing with film right now? I'm not doing as much uh, nonstop with film as I would like, um, right. but uh, um, but uh, from time to time, uh, I do a lot of music videos and uh, mostly live performances. I've done, uh, uh, since I, I left school, I left school basically to work with the band Socratic, and, okay. um, and so they've gone on to be in other bands, and I've kind of followed each of their projects and uh and done a lot of videos for for them and some videos for a few other bands and kind of jump in on uh anything I can do. Uh, I do have some projects in the works but um but those are kind of uh on the on the quiet end uh for now. Um but yeah. I feel like that's how it goes for anyone like us trying to do entertainment industry things because it's like okay, you want to be able to have some consistent work, which is something I actually haven't had for well over a year now. It's closing in on two years. So I've just been like doing freelance publicity when I can and freelance writing. But why don't we go ahead and dive on in to Riverdale. And the first thing I really want to talk about here is the casting that they did for the show, because personally, I was not too familiar with a good majority of the actors and actresses in this. I would say I had seen maybe three or four people in other things or had at least been familiar with their names because you have Cole Sprouse, who's been around for a while. All you have to have done is like seen a Disney commercial or a Nickelodeon commercial for his show that he had before, whichever channel it was. I never really paid too much attention to that. But then you have some of the parents like... Hermione Lodge, who is played by Mary Saul Nichols, and Fred Andrews, played by Luke Perry, who have been in things all over the place. And it's like, if you've watched pretty much any TV at all, you've probably seen one of the two of them in something. So what oh, did yeah. you think of the balance between some of the lesser known actors and actresses and having some people who would at least look familiar? I mean, I thought I thought the balance was was great. Uh, it was actually funny because it's like you mentioned uh, Cole Sprouse, and that actually blew my mind about halfway through because a friend of mine had told me, "Oh, you got to watch Riverdale." I'm like, "Ah, oh, you know, okay, all right, I'll check it out." Um, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "There's just something familiar about this guy." Yeah. <laughs> and when she told me who he was, I was just like, "No way!" Um, I mean, it's. I'm always excited when we get uh, kind of unknowns because um, it it is a, it is exciting to uh, to see these new actors come out and kind of see what uh, what chops they have and sometimes it makes it a little less distracting when you're not thinking about oh I've seen this person in so many things but I do think that the the people that are a bit more uh, familiar like uh, Archie's dad obviously yeah. They're not so big that it's like, oh, here's this big star that stands out from everybody. I feel like the blend is really, really nice. Exactly. And it's nice to always just have at least a few familiar faces in shows. And it really feels like something similar to what Pretty Little Liars had going when that first started. And, you know, I am not afraid to admit that I watched that show from beginning to end. But it was like <laughs> you knew a bunch of the parents from just things they had been in previously you had you know chad lowe as one of the dads and he just actually popped up in an episode of supergirl by the time everyone's listening to this it would have been a few weeks ago now but you get these familiar faces and then the kids are typically some more of the unknown actors and actresses and they're the ones you can really grow with as the show goes on because you want to know more about not only the characters, but the actors and actresses themselves as you get so engrossed in the show. And I think that's something that 
this does really well because you have Archie, Betty, and Veronica, and obviously Jughead, who is played by Cole Sprouse, is sort of your core group there, and the respective actors and actresses for those characters are KJ Appa, Appa, I'm not sure which way that goes, but you know, he has a very short name, so we can just call him KJ. Then you have Lily <laughs> Reinhardt as Betty and Camilla Mendez as Veronica, and I hadn't heard of any of those three, and KJ was apparently in some show called Shortland Street, which I have never heard of. I don't think it's an American show because I know he's from, I believe it's New Zealand. So he's not even from here, and this show is such a huge hit here. Yeah, when uh, when I was watching, I I had I had done you know the the usual thing of when you're you're latching onto the character and you're like, oh man, they're great. You go right to the IMDb page and it's like, where, oh, what else are they in? And then yeah. you start looking and you're just like, I haven't heard of these things. <laughs> Nothing really. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah that core group is uh, is absolutely terrific. Yeah, and what they do well with the characters themselves in the show is they're all very different, but they're also so different to the point where they don't necessarily fit in with a specific crowd or anything like that. You know, you have Betty who is part of the newspaper and, you know, Jughead comes along and you could tell he was friends with Archie at one point, but something went on and, you know, they sort of had this little falling out, but then by the end there's, sort of hanging out with the same group again and Veronica is the new girl so she just comes in and doesn't have a friend group at all to begin with so even though Archie's on the football team he's still so different from the rest of the football players and that's pretty quickly realized when you're watching the show absolutely yeah I 100% agree he does a he does a really nice job of I I feel like they're you know, when you, whenever you have these comics and you have that kind of nerdy, wholesome character, and then you look at a casting uh, like this, and like so many times, like with Peter Parker, everyone cries out, like, "Oh, they're too handsome!" and uh, and and then he's got like abs, and <laughs> I feel like they did a really nice job, though. He he still has that everyman quality, that earnest feeling to him, and very naive. You know, he. He pulls off the character uh, really well uh, in the world that they built, um, while still it he fe- he feels like the character of Archie. Yeah, and the thing with Archie too is you don't get too many leading redheads in TV shows, at least for guys anyway. It seems very uncommon. So to have this, you know, be the show that ended up on TV, and the fact that it's based off of the Archie comics, it's pretty different to the comics because it goes so much darker I want to say than a lot of the comics do because from what I know about that you know it's they were sort of meant for more so an all ages sort of group for those comics and this Mm -hmm. it definitely does not feel all ages at all but before we dive into more of the plot and everything have you read the comics uh yeah I I read um when I was growing up, I would read like the the old comic strips and the uh, I had a few of um, like the magazine collections and I always I always enjoyed them. Um, and then before the show came out, I had latched on to Mark Wade's run. And uh, and so I remember when I started seeing them put the show together and I was just like, you have this fantastic style in Mark Wade's run. And I was surprised to see them kind of going away from that while because from my understanding that uh that comic run was doing really really well but at the same time i think um i think they they definitely matched some some things really nicely uh with that comic i i've only read the first volume or two maybe of the mark wade run and okay. then i'm in the middle of uh afterlife with archie right now and i just picked up chilling uh, adventures of sabrina yeah, see, for me, I've only really read a couple of issues here and there, and I believe they're ones that I picked up on free comic book day. I was like, oh, hey, here's an Archie comic. Let me check it out and see how it is. And, you know, because I just haven't been spending a ton of money on comics recently, it's not something I've had the chance to dive into just yet. So this question is definitely one that you will probably be able to answer better than I could. But for you, does 
Riverdale need to be like the Archie comics for you to find it enjoyable? Or is it just the fact that they've taken these characters and put their own spin on them? That's enough for you to find it, you know, intriguing and enjoyable. The, I mean, short answer is, uh, is no, I don't think it has to be the the same as the comic. And I think it's, I, I will say I was kind of reserved on, uh, on the idea of the show when I started hearing about, uh, kind of the plot direction of it. Um, I, I, I was like, I don't know if this is really going to work. I don't know if I'm going to like it. Um, and I didn't watch it until, um, until it was on Netflix and, uh, and I binged the first season and I, and I feel like the, there were a lot of people that, um, that did that. And I, I got hooked on it like really pretty quickly and, uh, and really enjoyed it. And I think what it comes down to is when you have a comic, like, like Archie comics and you have Batman comics and Spider-Man and what, like these ones that have been going on for years and years and years and have had so many different writers, it, I feel like it just naturally lends itself to have writers come in and be like, what if we did this with the characters? And as long as, as long as you have some familiarity and heart in, in who the characters are, which I think this show does really well, even though it is kind of a darker uh, take on it. Um, I still think the heart of the characters are there. And I think, I think that's fine. I think when you run into trouble is when you have, a show or a movie have a comic book character and the only thing that feels connected to that character is their name and nothing else and i think that's when it gets weird but i don't think this i don't think this show runs into that issue at least overall yeah they definitely plucked out some of the essentials for each of the characters and kept those as sort of their core personality for the show and i think that's what helps because it's not necessarily about what story they do or don't tell. I think it's more about getting the characters right. And, you know, between comics and TV shows or movies, for me, I don't necessarily want a TV show or movie to just be a a regurgitation of something I'm already familiar with. And I know with things like the DC animated universe, they'll do that more. They'll basically take something like, the killing joke and they'll throw in, you know, some extra things that make it even worse. So, <laughs> but for the most <laughs> part, it was, you know, going panel by panel from the comic and putting that in there with a little extra that really didn't benefit it at all. So I'm not even sure why I use that as an example, but I'm sure <laughs> most people understand what I mean. You know, I don't need Riverdale to be a panel by panel version of one of the Archie comics, no matter which one it is that they choose to do. And I think they still make you feel like, you know, this isn't just your typical universe, you could say. You know, there's definitely a lot going on in the Archie universe just within Riverdale. And that sort of brings me to the next question I have for you is, do you think the city itself sort of feels like a character in a sense? Uh yeah, I I would I would definitely say so. I I think you I mean the characters throughout the the entire season talk about the we we don't really get to see the Riverdale that you know most people would necessarily know from the comics and they and they nod to that pretty early on in in saying that there was this Riverdale that was bright and colorful and innocent prior to the show but we jump into the show when this town has taken a turn and kind of the seedy underbelly of it starts uh uh starts coming up into the public eye and i think how everything within the town occurs i think it definitely affects the characters you know it's not it's not just a backdrop where the where the storyline takes place i think it definitely definitely has a stronger a stronger connection to to what happens in the show Plus, you have the various locations. You have Pops, which is sort of the general hangout spot when everyone wants to go grab a bite to eat. And they go there quite often. They probably drop a lot of money at Pops. And <laughs> oh, then yeah. I love Pops. <laughs> yeah. And then you have, you know, in season one, at least, you have the Blossom Mansion, I guess you can call it. And that in itself is just 
so different from everything else. It's like its own little entity there. And it's really just this sort of creepy place, which you can say the same about the woods that we often see when, you know, they are out on the frozen lake and everything like that. It's just like the setting that they have in these various locations just bring a completely different feeling to the moment. And I didn't have one of these at my high school, but that little common room that they seem to always be meeting in and everything like that too is definitely a staple location as well within the high school because we see them in the school newspaper room or you know whatever kind of room it actually is supposed to be because it seems like there's only two people working on the school newspaper and that ends up including Betty's mom (laughs) so it's just one of those things where I feel like they really nailed the feeling of the city and the locations within it to really ramp up the emotions that you feel when the characters are in these certain places absolutely and uh, the just even the the way that they the way they film the locations i i love i love the style of everything and the colors um you know it's it's definitely there's definitely no accident to to how they they set up uh each scene you know it's it's meant to uh it's meant to connect with the the events that are going on you can tell when um when stuff's like getting really serious and they're in and they're hanging out at pops and there's these really bright dark colors but then uh but then there's other times that they're in pops and they're just kind of hanging out and everything's fine and the and they and they it's it's a bit brighter uh when they're hanging out in this in the school room it's a bit brighter um but that it's i think it's really cool uh how they've set up the uh how they've set up the town i think um it and if it feels like a real town it doesn't feel like oh just a bunch of random locations that they decide to put together for the show Right. And I want to bring this conversation to more of the plot and some of the relationships that come about. And I did leave one off of here that I totally don't know how I missed. But why don't we go ahead and start off with the Archie and Miss Grundy relationship? Because that's sort of what a lot of the season, for Archie at least, ends up revolving around, at least for a good majority of it. Because you can tell that him blowing off Jughead to spend a weekend with Miss Grundy and then hearing the gunshot in the woods and not saying anything really brings about a ton of tension, not only between Archie and Miss Grundy, but Archie and Jughead as well, because, you know, Jughead is sort of just in the shadows for quite a while, and it takes some doing to get him into the core group there. And with the introduction to Veronica, there's sort of a lot of character introduction going on in I want to say the first couple of episodes at least and I feel like the Archie and Miss Grundy relationship was one that just made little sense but I see why it had to happen because you know Archie is getting mad that Betty isn't thrilled about the relationship when she finds out about it and it's like it doesn't register with Archie that something is off but to everyone else it does. So what do you think about how they wrote Archie as sort of this naive high schooler for this particular relationship? Yeah. I mean, I think the, 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 the Miss Grundy storyline, it's definitely, it's definitely among kind of the, I don't know if I want to say the weaker storylines of the, uh, of the season. Um, I'm glad, I was glad that it didn't like kind of go through the, the whole season, but I, I do, I do get why, uh, why they include it. And, it. and it is this, you get the, the idea that Archie was just kind of like prior to that event, just good old Archie never doing anything kind of out of the box. And I feel like he just kind of in that summer before school just gets involved with this and, uh, and just something knocks him loose on, on that. And he just, he starts to feel that I don't know that danger of of growing up and finding finding and feeling something special, and so I think with it being kind of this this huge moment uh, turning moment in his life, I think I feel like that makes him a bit a bit more defensive uh, when it comes to um, 
when it comes to like Betty being like, how can you, how can you not see how this is weird or wrong? And it, I'm sure a lot, a lot of the viewers are just like, Archie, come on. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, how do you not see it? But it's like in his, in his mindset, he's just like, what? It's fine. Yeah. And I feel like when you have those situations in real life too, it's not necessarily the high school kid thinking it's fine right off the bat. Sometimes it's, you know, like the teacher just telling them over and over again, it's fine. And obviously, you know, to everyone else in the world, it is not. So it's one of those things where they touch on this sort of serious topic, but they don't really necessarily portray it in the same way. And because it's TV, it's one of those things where that's something I feel like a lot of people will let slide. Like you see later how Grundy acts with other students and everything too. And I think, you know, the audience getting to see that it's like, okay, now they're sort of really understanding this. And, you know, even though Archie doesn't know it, it's like, we have it confirmed. Like she does this. And it's just one of those things where I do understand too, why that relationship had to happen. And I don't know if that is necessarily what pushes Archie and Veronica together. I think that relationship happens much more naturally and is a lot healthier. (laughs) So, you know, even though when I first started watching this, you know, they they sort of give you that will they, won't they with Archie and Betty. And I think I wouldn't mind if it had been Archie and Betty together, but I think the way they have it planned out now is perfectly fine because you have Betty with Jughead and you have Archie and Veronica together. So that really keeps the core group of those four together. And, you know, Betty and Veronica didn't end up really fighting over Archie for more than, I want to say, a few minutes, maybe. And even then, it wasn't really a fight, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a a big thing in the big thing in the comics, and it's like even to just kind of, you know, an, an outside reader who hasn't who hasn't read much, it's it's Archie, Betty and Veronica. Like, it's always those uh, those three and there's a back and forth and I think they did a really nice job with the the show dealing with that um, because it's like I f- I feel like it could have been very easy to just have him going back and forth and them being jealous of each other for 13 episodes and it after a while it'd be like all right come on like how, how many times do we got to go back and forth with this but I thought they did a nice job kind of teasing it and playing with it and uh, early on and then it was well, no, now we're okay, and we're just all hanging out, and um, and I don't recall too much, but uh, but I'm pretty sure the idea of Jughead having a uh, a romantic relationship with with Betty, I think, is is a relatively new idea. But I I thought it worked really well with the uh, with the show, um, and I do like uh, Archie and uh, Veronica together. I'm I'm definitely Team Veronica. My my friend is Team <laughs> Betty. yeah and I think Betty and Jughead fit well together because they both enjoy writing in sort of different ways because Jughead has his little book narration going out going on throughout the whole season and then Betty has her involvement with the newspaper and Jughead will help out with that so I think that pairing with the way they wrote the two characters and the chemistry they have on screen is a lot better than if they had just shoehorned Archie and Betty together because you know that's sort of you know how it's supposed to happen in the comics or whatever I don't know if that's the case because like I said I've only read issues here and there so I don't have like a full story or anything and I think most of the ones I have read were like Halloween issues so if those are more so for fun and don't really tell like this full-on story or anything like that when you have a comic book series that is able to put out issues that is Archie versus Sharknado I think the writers of a TV show kind of have a lot of freedom in what they want to do with these characters exactly and because it's on the CW too you get that teen drama sort of feel so they are going to make this more dramatic than the comics probably typically are and you know it's not just the romantic relationships that that are important in this either because while you know Jughead isn't really close to anyone other than Betty in season one you still have Betty being best friends with Archie even though you know they have their little riffs here and there and you know 
Archie will go off and just not respond to anything for a little while. And Betty has the whole thing with her sister going on, too. And that's a whole different dynamic because her parents sent Polly away and she is going on these little side missions by herself or with Jughead to find her sister. And Archie isn't really kept in the loop with that stuff. So even though their best friends it doesn't necessarily always need to feel that way for the two of them to work as the friends they've always been absolutely yeah i love their uh their kind of nancy drew and the hardy boys uh, yeah <laughs> friendship that they have i think that's a great uh a great dynamic yeah and i think what helps with the betty and veronica friendship too is i think betty pretty quickly realizes that just because her and Archie have been friends for so long and they are so close doesn't mean they would necessarily work well together. And I like that they didn't, like you said, linger on that and have it be this big deal and them going back and forth about it for the entire season. But you have some more minor relationships too in this that not necessarily have a huge impact on the characters, but you have Kevin with one of the serpents, Joaquin, and he really keeps the relationship under wraps for a while because, you know, he's dating a guy in a gang. So one, you know, we already know Kevin is gay based on conversations and everything like that, but he really keeps a lot of his romantic life to himself, it seems. And Mm -hmm. because of who his dad is, you instantly understand why it's nothing, you know, that Betty or Archie did or anything like that. And not that he doesn't trust them. It's more so his dad that I think he's worried about. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it seems the, with the relationship with his dad, it seems that, um, it seems that his dad is just very supportive of who, of who Kevin is. Right. And kind of, you know, encourages him because uh, to be like, hey, you know, I think that there is a scene where he's like, aren't there, um, aren't there any nice, uh, nice gay boys in uh, in that school of yours? And and he's just like, yeah, me. And uh, and he kind of, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I feel like he kind of probably feels kind of alone in uh, in that aspect in his school. And then of course the when he does find this great guy, it turns out that he's a Southside serpent, and it's like. Of all the people that I could have ended up together, (laughs) my father would be livid about this. And yeah, that's more so why he wants to keep it from his dad. Not because his dad is going to be upset that he's gay, because clearly he already knows. And I really love how they portray that relationship, too. And we get more of that in season two, which develops. And the whole thing with Joaquin, it's like he's keeping it a secret for not your typical reason. So it's one of those things where there's some humor in that aspect as well because it's pretty well known that Kevin is gay and you know he will go out looking for you know guys in the woods and things like that and yeah you know that seems a little weird but I guess you know it makes sense because not everyone is going to be as open about it as Kevin's dad who also happens to be the sheriff and it's just one of those nice ways to handle a relationship and a character like Kevin because he is this huge personality on top of everything too. Oh yeah. I'm I'm on my I finished my second viewing of uh Riverdale today and uh and on my second viewing I just I realized so much more I I liked Kevin a lot in the the first time I watched but there's so so much going on throughout the show that you don't necessarily notice everything and on the second viewing it's just everything that comes out of his mouth like I was just cracking up he has all the best uh one-liners and just a uh a great perspective on the ridiculous situations that he and all of his friends you know keep finding themselves in one of my favorites is just when he's I think Jughead's like you know have uh have you seen Betty and he's just like you all need trackers (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and they don't need to bash you over the head with the fact that you know hey here's our gay character it's like they just Mm -hmm. let kevin be kevin and that's really refreshing that you know they nailed his character so well but there are a few other relationships that are a little more questionable in this first season that you can say because you know with the high schoolers it's like okay these are sort of your typical relationships you know we got we have these sorted out but then you have Fred and Hermione, who is 
Veronica's mom and Fred is Archie's dad. So you have those two characters who very clearly know each other from going to high school together or something like that. And, you know, when the Lodges first came to Riverdale, it was sort of like everything was about the dad being in jail. And then you get this little side storyline with Hermione and Fred and she ends up working for him and they sort of form this relationship that isn't super serious, but it's sort of something that you can tell was always there. And Mm -hmm. then it's like, you know, she's not divorced. Her husband's just in jail. So she's still married. And while you have the mystery of, okay, is Veronica's dad actually coming back? And, you know, we know that ends up being the case because they discuss it more and more by the end of the season. Yeah. So then you have this dilemma with this specific relationship and you know it probably won't end very well. Yeah. And and, and you have you have Veronica that's just like constantly trying to remind her like d- like dad's just in jail. Like yeah. he's not yeah. go and and her her mom is just like it's fine. It's just it's just Fred Andrews like and then, but then of course when when push comes to shove and and she realizes that is it is it Hiram? Yeah, I believe that's how you pronounce it, Hiram. Yeah, and it, when she find realizes that he knows about Fred Andrews, now all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, I understand the seriousness of the situation now, and it's like, come on. Yeah, so I want to move on a little here though to what this season was about because the characters we haven't really mentioned are the Blossoms, and they play a huge factor. In season one, they play a huge role individually as characters, too, because you have Cheryl, who is kind of, you know, the head of the cheerleaders, and you can kind of tell people follow her, but it's very hard to know whether or not people actually like her. And then you have each of the parents who have their own whole separate thing going on, and it's just, you know, this family is a lot to take in. And then you have the dead brother, which, you know, that's something that happens early in the season because it's the mystery for the season and then you have so many other storylines that are going on at the same time there's just like you said so much to pay attention to that you can easily miss quite a few things here but you know the blossoms they have their creepy mansion and their what is it that they specialize in they're like the maple family the maple syrup family yeah yeah yeah. and it's just like okay that is like one of the weirdest things to make these people be so creepy (laughs) you know it's just like everything is so secretive and you find out it's because the dad was running drugs through Riverdale as well and that just brings up the whole thing with the south side serpents and Jughead's dad FP and Wow, yeah, there is a lot that happens in season one. Yeah, yeah. They do a lot in 13 episodes. Yeah, and I think that that's what makes this show so bingeable, too. Because like you, I watched it on Netflix. I only watched it once because I had watched it quite a good while after it had already been put on Netflix. I was like, I believe it was sometime in September. I was like, all right, you know, let me just binged my way through Riverdale in like two days and I just completely loved it way more than I thought I would because the reason I didn't watch it when it was airing week to week on the CW I was just like I don't know if I need this right now and it was one of those things like you I was a little skeptical but then because of how well written the story was for the first season I was like oh my goodness this is so good I need more of it like right now and then you know here we are a few weeks later and the new season was starting so it's like I finished it just in time pretty much yeah absolutely I've only, I've only caught the 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 first episode of the of the second season so far I got to catch up okay it's such a surprising show and it, all the characters are so are so captivating and I I really like that it has this kind of noir, over-romanticized, uh, extra, extra dramatic style that just really works. I mean, when you look at the Blossoms and just how overly creepy they make the mansion, it's like I feel like in, in most shows you would probably sit there and think, oh, this is kind of ridiculous. But for some reason, you just can't look away and it just works. All these characters, they, it just, they just work together. And it it makes it so that you're just this 
unsuspecting show, you're just like, I, I can't stop watching. Like, I need to know what the Blossoms are going to do next. I need to know how Archie's going to get him, get himself out of, you know, this mess that he, that he's in now. Like it, uh, I think they just do a really, really great job with all, uh, with all those characters. Yeah. And because of how much they pack into it, it's like, there isn't really any filler in it either because you'll see with shows like the flash arrow and the superhero Mm -hmm. shows that have these you know 20 to 24 episode seasons or something you can definitely tell when you get an episode and it's kind of like hey we need to meet this you know this number by the end of the season and it's you know it's not that it's necessarily horrible content but you can sort of tell it's really just a filler episode to get you to the next plot point and because this is 13 episodes, it never really feels like that. And because each of the storylines is important in its own way to the characters, it's never boring either. At least I didn't get bored at all. Even when you are sort of getting annoyed with Archie and the Miss Grundy storyline, you know, he does have something good come out of that. And he ends up with working with Josie and the Pussycats on music and, you know, Mm -hmm. They're a group we haven't even mentioned either, and I oh, can... they're great. Yeah, and I can easily see them, you know, using them in the future to create sort of this Archie universe, because I know the Sabrina show, I believe, has been announced, so there's yeah. going to be, like, a Sabrina spinoff, and just because the Josie and the Pussycats have already been in Riverdale and everything like that, I feel like that would be something they could even spin-off or have them just appear in several shows depending on how many they end up with down the line yeah i know i don't know a ton about like their necessarily individual adventures so i don't know how well they would do in their their own their own show but i could definitely see them being like the claire temple of yeah archie (laughs) yeah yeah like if you have archie and then you have the sabrina show i could see them bouncing back and forth between both i'm interested to see if if they try to do kind of like a backdoor pilot with Sabrina, like they did with the flash on arrow and uh, with, with season two, is it now, now is it more than 13 episodes? Like, are they doing the full 24? I have no idea. Honestly, all I did was when I finished binge watching Riverdale on Netflix, I was like, Oh, it's on in a few weeks. Let me set it up with the DVR. And I just sort of just hit like record series. (laughs) I didn't pay attention to how long it, was going to be running or anything like that but even if this season is longer I think they still have enough going on to justify the extra episodes especially if they do introduce Sabrina in season two and then do a a spinoff of that because you'll want her to be in more than one episode in order to do a spinoff and I know with the flash they sort of had him come in for a single episode and then you know the particle accelerator thing happened and he was struck by lightning and that's how they started that spinoff but I think with a superhero it's a lot easier rather than just with your you know like kind of more typical comic book characters that you know even though Sabrina's a witch I guess you know they could spin that somehow to only have her appear once and then suddenly have her own show. But I feel like with the way Riverdale is written, she'd probably pop up more than once. Yeah. I think it would really benefit her and the relationships with the other characters. If we got, if we got a little bit more time with her uh, before her, she gets her own show Uh, because I, I feel like, because we are just dealing with, you know, normal high school kids you know yeah Sabrina being a witch that'll probably bring in the supernatural side of things but I still feel like the the core of these shows is going to be the fact that they're high school kids um and at at least it's uh, that's kind of what what I hope I'm definitely interested to see how they manage that and I I agree even if they have even if they are going for the full 24 I, I think if anything with this show it it'll benefit it because we'll get more time to develop the different uh all the insane amount of storylines you know maybe maybe it will be a bit more relaxed or slower pace on some storylines but that's not necessarily a bad thing i definitely agree with that and 
it's one of those things where, you know, Sabrina the Teenage Witch was already a show before, and while The Flash was a show before as well, it's like, okay, we want to have something updated for the times, and I think Mm -hmm. with Sabrina, with it being a much darker show, if they keep with the theme of Riverdale, that'll be something to look forward to, but I don't want to dive too far ahead of season one, since season two is still in progress, but I will let you know that I did just look in my TV app really quick because I have so many shows I have a tracking app for them and it <laughs> shows smart. it shows 12 episodes listed for season two so far but that could also be where they have a mid-season break okay. so it I think that'll depend because that would bring them like right around the end of December I think so they might have a mid-season break for the holidays I have no clue but there's at least 12 episodes so we know that much <laughs> Well, e- either way, I mean, I'm definitely along for the ride because the yeah. season, season one was terrific. Yeah, and I do want to bring up a few more of the storylines for season yeah. one before we go here because you have Jason's death. His name is Jason, right? Yeah. He was Jason dead the Blossom. whole time, so it's <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's hard to remember yeah. because there are so many characters to pay attention to in Riverdale, but you have... Cheryl who is Jason's twin so they have this deep connection but it still felt like a very weird family dynamic when they were showing flashbacks of you know Jason still being alive and everything and then you have you know this character who the story revolves around but we don't really get to see too much of him firsthand it's a lot of secondhand talk about who he was what he did and that sort of thing so it's a very interesting take on a character because you don't get to see him in the typical sense yeah absolutely it 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 is interesting how they make his character kind of so compelling with just that mystery that we 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 don't know if he was truly i mean we we get different different sides of him from the from how we hear Polly's relationship was with him. And then we hear his relationship with Cheryl. But then we also uh, see that, you know, his name was in that, like, book of shame. And yeah. and so it it is this balance of just, like, are we supposed to care about this guy? Is he a good guy? And I feel like overall, I feel like we're supposed to because of what we learned from Polly. That it seems that maybe maybe his relationship with Polly kind of turned him more to uh, a a good side of things and maybe led to maybe that's what led to him wanting to run away from his dark and insane family business. Yeah. And he's the one who puts everything together about what his dad is doing. And he sort of leaves these little clues and everything. And the group of friends are the ones who figure it out. And, you know, they even see the footage of Jason being shot by his dad. Obviously, spoilers, if you've listened this far, you probably already <laughs> figured that out. But it's just one of those things. Plus, you know, Jason is dead at the very beginning. So it's not a surprise yeah. that he's dead. It's a surprise no. of who did it. And then you have, you know, the Blossom family sort of being torn apart. And Cheryl is getting Archie to go all these different places with her and like go to the what was it? it was like the maple syrup pouring event thing that they it's yeah. a very strange family and <laughs> they do very strange things and it's all for maple syrup and drugs apparently so yeah. it's just one of those things where even though you know maple syrup might not seem like such a serious business when you find out what the dad was doing it's like okay this makes so much more sense like what secrets are you hiding with maple syrup so yeah. you know you <laughs> you have to give it that extra something to make you understand a little more about the family dynamic and everything like that and it's just one of those things where you then have the dad committing suicide as well in their like storage place for the maple syrup i don't even know what yeah. most of these places are in the blossom mansion household land yeah, i didn't i didn't see that yeah i didn't see that coming uh i i i would have thought like oh he's gonna go to jail now um and then probably get out and then cause more trouble for these kids so then when they go in and he's just hanging there i'm like oh all right well his story's over yeah and then you have cheryl left with just her mom and you know Polly is back in the picture and she's, you know, going to have the baby and there's 
all sorts of different things going on within the Blossom family that, you know, what the father was doing wasn't the only thing that they had to focus on. So, you know, it's like the son was dead and then you find out the dad was running drugs and then you find out too that Polly is pregnant with Jason's child and there's going to be a different Blossom in town and it's just you then have all of the Blossoms in town like wanting to you know make their way to have control of the company and you can tell this family is just bad news from the start and you know whether or not jason ultimately was bad news like the rest of them like you said that's a little more convoluted because of the two different sides of him that you see Mm -hmm. throughout season one yeah absolutely yeah and i I feel like i feel like he's kind of just like a launching point for uh for a lot for a lot of the other characters and how they're going to react uh you know due to his death you know it's like okay here here's a little bit about this character but it's not so much about his character it's he's he's the catalyst of everything going forward uh in this show the he he was for all intents and purposes of what we know the first fall of innocence of of this town um that seems to be what's alluded to in in Jughead's uh opening narration which I love his voiceovers those are definitely really good and sometimes those don't work as well but with the fact that you know Jughead is big on writing and he even eventually gets his dad to read his manuscript and everything like that it's one of those things where I feel like the tone of his voice just perfectly fits with everything the town is going through so it works really well in that sense Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's he's got that great detective noir uh, tone to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that really just like ropes you in and you're just like, oh, man, what's he going to say next? Yeah, they make the story so interesting that you don't want to turn the show off. I think, you know, I said it took me maybe two days to get through it. And honestly, if I was able to hog the TV all day, I probably would have just blown through it in a single day but you know i live with my parents so i can't hog the tv like i did when i was by myself so it's you know one of those things where i'm like all right i guess i'll take a break so we can watch other stuff and you know even in that break i'm just like but what's happening and i ended up writing an article about like some of the similarities it had with one tree hill and a few people read it and replied to me on Twitter and they were like, you know, I felt like you could have gone a lot deeper with it. I was like, yes, I just didn't know how to get all the words out and like have that make sense because there were so many things that were similar in a sense, but One Tree Hill didn't start off nearly as dark as Riverdale does, but One Tree Hill does get there at some point because there does end up being, you know, murder. There's like a school shooter and all sorts of things going on in a very specific episode that seems to get even at times darker than Riverdale does. But it's just one of those things where I feel like you could probably pick most teen dramas and find similarities, but those two just seem to have a lot because you had characters who were both wanting to write a book and do write a book and you have the athletes and the musicians and it was just very similar. And that's, things you'll see in a lot of teen dramas but not necessarily everyone is going to have an athlete a musician a writer and you could argue that you know a writer in high school might be the most unrealistic of the three there because you have kids who write well in high school but not all of them are going to be ambitious enough to want to write a book so <laughs> it's just one of those things yeah we meet jug jughead and and uh and Art, I think Archie's just kind of like, how's your novel going? And it's like, what? He's writing a novel? Yeah. And, you know, I think in One Tree Hill, I don't think Lucas Scott ends up writing it in high school, but it comes out, I believe, later on. And it's sort of about his life in high school and everything that's happened because, you know, crazy stuff happens there too. But Riverdale definitely seems to be a lot darker than I would say most teen dramas start off as. And I didn't watch the OC or, you know, Gossip Girl or any of those that were sort of big around the same time that One Tree Hill was because that one sort of grabbed me more and I just stuck with that one. But 
it seems I like o- I was an OC kid. <laughs> okay. I have it on my list to watch. So I guess you can speak to this better than I could, but I don't recall, you know, people ever talking about the OC going that dark that quickly. <laughs> no, definitely not that quickly. I mean, the, the, the first episode, you know, it sets up a, a car robbery. Um, but I wouldn't consider that necessarily as dark on the level of they don't get to murder really uh, so quickly as they do with with Riverdale, which is the first episode. Um, you know, they wait a couple seasons before you throw some murder in there. Yeah. And even the tone itself, like the lighting and everything can get pretty dark on Riverdale because you have the scenes in the woods. You have the mm-hmm. drive in theater that isn't really in the best of areas. And then you have pops with the neon signs and everything like that. So the lighting is totally different there. And I think they just do a really great job overall on the show of, you know, getting every piece of the scene right and while some storylines might not be as great as others you know none of them were really horrible I would say by any means yeah no I I agree I mean they definitely they they do such a nice job of just setting the tone and then sticking with it you know there there's there's no there's no feeling I get of oh, the show doesn't really know kind of what show it wants to be. No, this show knows what it wants yeah. to be. And it pulls it off re- really, really well. And, and I agree. There, yeah, there's there's always going to be some weak storylines. But I, I I feel like even the even on the, the weaker ones, yeah, none of them are like, oh, man, I can't wait for this storyline to be over. It's just because I feel like each of them at least gets a somewhat nice payoff to it. Um, and even if it's not too much of a payoff, it you see how it adds to the individual characters and how their their story then grows from even the most minute of storylines. Yeah, and then the cliffhanger at the very end of the season is what really launches a lot of what's going on in season two now, which we won't get into that too much, but we will note that you know it's Archie's dad who ends up being shot in Pops. And I was very upset. <laughs> yeah. And is the scene with Grundy at the very end, too? Or does that happen in the first episode of season two? The last time we see Grundy in season one is when is when she leaves town. Um, so she's back in in season two, I guess. OK. I felt like she got off kind of easy in season one. Like, it's like, wait, no, like she's she's sleeping with a high school student. You should tell someone instead of just letting her leave town. But. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was like those little after scenes that they'll sometimes do in shows after everything that happened with Archie's dad went down. But yeah, if it was season two, we will leave it at that. You'll see Grundy again. (laughs) You know, because like you said, you've only seen the first episode. So in case not everyone is caught up by the time they listen to this, I don't want to spoil anything about season two for them. But obviously all the spoilers for season one here. and. All the spoilers. <laughs> Is there anything we haven't hit on that you want to wrap up with or anything like that? Oh, let's see. Um. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot to cover, so we didn't go super in depth on any one thing, but you know, in in a general sense here. Yeah, I'm sure there's something we've missed, and there's people shouting at their phones or, <laughs> or, or radios in their car, just like, "How are you not talking about this?" Um, but yeah, I just I think overall it was just a really really solid uh, first season. Uh, it's uh, it sold me on sold me on the characters, sold me on the world uh, that they that they built. Um, I definitely didn't see the the ending of 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 uh, season one coming, um, and it'll be really interesting to see where the show goes from here. Uh, I'm and I'm I'm definitely excited to. Uh, to see that because we've lost some characters. I'm sure we'll get some new characters, um, but I'm stoked. As am I. And one thing I will note is that the storyline between Jughead and his dad largely revolves around his dad being part of the Serpents. And then he's later framed for Jason Blossom's murder, which as we already stated, you know, it was his dad, so it wasn't Jughead's dad who did it. So that is something that is going on all at the same time, too. So not only do we see 
how Jughead is with Betty, but he sort of gets his own little personal storyline with his dad and everything because you really do get to see a lot of just how much those two have been through. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed his his storyline with his dad. It was so hard for me at first to like kind of get past the fact that his dad is the is the killer from Scream. And so it's just like when uh, spoilers, if you haven't seen Scream <laughs> <laughs> from forever ago. Yeah. Um, but it's I, I thought I thought he did a really great, great job of leaving a lot of mystery to his character. So you're kind of like, would he have kind of would he have done done something like that would he have gone as dark as that or is he you know being as as honest as he is to to Jughead but I felt like that was there was some really great development with their relationship and I really like that Jughead is kind of just like I know my dad's a screw-up but I can't give up on him and I also hope we get to meet the rest of Jughead's family and Jellybean and everybody Yeah, plus it's not like his dad is the worst of the serpents, and I think Jughead knows that, so that's why he still defends his dad and fights to get him out of jail, because, you know, he's like, my dad would not have killed some high school kid, basically, and it's just one of those things where, because Jughead believes it so much, you start to believe it too, even though you're like, well, he is part of a gang, so, (laughs) you know, you never know. Yeah, they definitely play play up the the serpents being kind of like kind of like a good gang like they're a gang and they do bad things but they they play this idea that it's like oh most of them like we're pretty good people this is just like the life that that we're leading um but you don't really get the sense that that what they do is necessarily horrible right i don't yeah i don't know if you know we'll see more from them but it you have that moment of when they bring jughead uh his dad's jacket and they're like this is yours and it's like we have you know we have your back your dad had ours and they seem like kind of a nice family but maybe that's how how uh the gang suck you in and i don't know (laughs) i've never been in a gang so i could be speaking out of my butt on that one (laughs) yeah and one thing we didn't touch on too much is just the family dynamics that each of the core characters have with their parents and you know with Betty, I think she's just kind of like, you know, I'm not the screw up. So <laughs> if you just leave me alone, I'll be fine. And with Archie just having his dad there, it's a bit of a different dynamic because I think his dad is more trusting of him to sort of just go out, do the right thing, come home, you know, get his stuff done for the most part. And then with the whole Miss Grundy thing, that sort of kind of goes out the window a bit and then you have Veronica and her mom by themselves for the majority of the season and then you can see how their relationship changes as Veronica starts to find out her dad is in fact going to get out of jail soon so they definitely have all sorts of different dynamics going on with the kids and their parents so that's a nice thing to see too because it's not just like, oh, all the parents are kind of the same and we don't really need to pay too much attention to them because their parents are still pretty important to the story because they've all been in Riverdale so long. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's nice to see that it's like when you first meet uh, Veronica and her mom and they kind of have this, yeah, you're my mom, but we're, we're best friends uh, relationship. And then you see how that strains as the storyline uh progresses and then you have and then on the opposite end you you have with betty like her super controlling uh and obsessive you know mother and father and there's a whole roller coaster of emotions that occurs with that like her dad getting thrown out and you're kind of like oh man i hate this guy but then he kind of kind of is kind of a good guy at the end not not so much but you definitely see the strained relationship with Betty and her mom get a lot better and they seem to have a much better relationship by the end of, of season one. Whereas I, I feel like, I feel like Veronica's kind of went the opposite way. Not so much that necessarily she doesn't like her mom or or anything, but she definitely doesn't trust her as much anymore because I feel like she's concerned about the secrets. Although now I'm thinking about it, Betty's, says something about her mom's secrets too towards the end yeah and and you can sort of tell that these parents for the most part do have things that they 
want to keep to themselves because you know of old history with each other and things like that and it feels like fred andrews is sort of the most open of the parents with archie you know it it feels like him and archie don't really have too many secret secrets from each other it's like you know there might be something like a little white lie here or there or something like that Mm -hmm. but it's nothing as major as you know hermione and betty's mom make it feel so you know i i think that about covers everything now those were the last couple of things to pop into my head because you know we didn't yeah i'm glad you brought those up yeah (laughs) yeah because we didn't talk too terribly much about the parents and you know it's like the parents are present but they're also absent in a sense because it's like Mm -hmm. when something has to do with them it's like they aren't worried as much about the kids necessarily it's like they'll be off doing their own thing and it's just like oh hey like where have you guys been (laughs) and like what have you been up to and you know they don't even know that the kids are going off on all these little missions on their own to find the killer and doing all these sort of crazy things that most high schoolers wouldn't do yeah scooby-doo in the gang (laughs) exactly well tim thank you so much for coming on i hope this was a wonderful first episode for you i know i definitely had fun with this one absolutely this was a blast awesome and to our listeners as always thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day